This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue, and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? And make it a combo with hand-cut seasoned fries and a drink for just $7.99. Time to find a new favorite lunch at Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only. While supplies last. Price subject to applicable taxes and fees. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Holmes' 1-0 victory on Saturday against Blackburn on the road. We have much to talk about in regards to this huge victory for Fulham. But before I do anything else, I have to welcome back Max to the show, a future Pulitzer Prize winner. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Russ. I was watching this match from snowy Hanover, New Hampshire. And... <laughs> Let me tell you, it was it was a great win, but again, this is one of probably one of the worst matches I've seen in a while from Fulham. But it doesn't matter, you know. Getting the points, you know, as as everyone has talked about, Ewood Park is a tough place to go. Yes, it and is. And I'm glad we got we got the win. Absolutely, Max. It is a difficult place to win, and uh, again, they have a very good home record, as uh, people probably know. So to get all three points there is a big deal, and it's a team that was extremely I guess you could say regimented I mean they were they they had a game plan they really saw it out but Fulham found a way to get the goal and get all three points we're going to talk about that so let's start where I normally do recently and let's look at the head coach presser and I'm breaking it up into two points from the quotes from Scott Parker you can see this on the Fulham website and um, part one going to mention I believe he's really talking about 
Fulham getting control of the match in the second half compared to the first half. So, Max, I'm going to share these quotes from Scott Park, and we're going to talk about it. Here they are. Quote, I thought it was a well-earned battle, a committed performance for an away game. Blackburn have not lost here in 10. I think the last time they lost was in September. We knew the challenge that was coming, and we stood up to that challenge. First half, we matched them, but didn't get enough control. We weren't as brave as I have liked us to be. We addressed that at halftime. We spoke about trying to get a bit more control, turning down their attacks, and having a patience about us. And I think the goal epitomized that, really. We turned down an attack, the gaps became bigger, and suddenly you can carve things open. And that's what our opportunity came from. Unquote. Okay, Max. Thoughts on what Scott Parker shared? It's funny because, again, the first half was uh, difficult to watch. Both halves were difficult to watch. But I did notice a difference in the second half. What are your thoughts about what he shared about the difference? Yeah, I think the control is, is a big part of it. They're, no one was really controlling that first 45 minutes. No one was really creating any chances of note at all. So the fact that we just kind of got our foot in the ball, tried to have a bit more you know, emphasis on the game, implement our style, that was positive. But it was a match of very few chances. And I think there, it's just fine lines in this division. And I guess Park can talk about that control. And I guess there was a market improvement in the second half. But, again, I really didn't think there's too much in this game. And for me, the big thing here just breaks down to Alexander Mitrovic. Having a goal score of that quality on your side is the match winner. He got us to three points without a doubt because in a game away, a team hasn't lost at home in a long time, there are not going to be many chances. And when you have a player who gets that right. one chance or put that away, it just means the world. So for me, I think Parker might be overblowing it. I don't think we can put this down too much to what he said at halftime or the control over the game, whatever you want to call it. For me, this is just simply the emphasis, the benefit of Mitrovic, and, and that's it. Well, I think it goes more big picture than that. I understand, like you said, we have him and they don't, and that makes a difference. But I also think it was some individual performances that we're going to be talking about that goes along with Mitrovic, and I could talk about, man, the match for me. It's Michael Hector, and it's not even close. But I understand what you're talking about, Max. He's simplifying it, saying basically we talked about it at halftime, and, of course, we talked about what they need to do, and then opportunities arose. But I think it also was a little bit of attrition. Maybe the other team got a little bit tired, and eventually they were going to get an opportunity and Fulham have the player that can take advantage of that. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. The second part here it is. This focuses more on matches in the championship. So let's talk about this in these quotes from him. Okay. And here they are, my friend. It was always going to be a game of limited opportunities, but when ours came, we needed to take it. It fell to Mitrovic who puts it in the back of the net. And then it turns into what most championship games turn into at 1-0. They sent a lot of bodies up top, big lads put a lot of balls into our box, and at that point, it's a different game for us. We have to show another side to us and defend the game out, unquote. Okay, so just to clarify, he's really talking about what happens after you score and you get up 1-0, and and there's a pattern to it in the championship. What are your thoughts about how Fulham saw this matchup and his comments about what happens in the championship when you go up 1-0? I think it's completely accurate because it's not only what happens in the championship. It's what happens to Fulham 
We don't win games by more than a goal anymore, Ross. <laughs> we just don't. And let me read you our last seven league wins. Right? Go ahead. Here we, here we go. One nil, three two, <laughs> one nil, one nil, one nil, two one, two one. So that stretches all the way back um, to the Swansea match, and then wow. I think the match before that was Derby three nil. So that what? That's that was late November. It was the last time we won a match by more than one goal. Okay. It's it's remarkable. This is how we play now, and. It's as I was talking to Dan Crawford about this. He said it's not good for my gray hairs. I completely agree. It's stressful. It's nervy. But we win the close matches. You know, that's one right. One nil to the Arsenal. It's one nil to the Fulham at the moment. That's that's just how we do it. <laughs> I don't love it. I think it's I think, I think it gives too much stress at, at the end. But at, at this point, we don't really give away late leads, and I think that's a really important part of our promotion challenge. Is that even when it gets down to those nitty gritty matches, just as so we saw at Ewood Park, they thought they'd equalize there. They didn't. We hang on for dear life, but. In the end, when it keeps happening, you have to say, we're very good at it. Absolutely um, and not. It, and it's the way Parker plays. right? He doesn't go for the second goal to kill off the match. He puts in another central defender. He throws on Congolo, as he did at the weekend. You know, He takes off Karen. He puts on Johansson, a bit more of a hatchet man. It's, it's just the way we play, and we're getting, we're getting too good at it because I really like to win matches more comfortably. <laughs> but I'm not complaining at all. Believe me, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll take the three points. But as I just read, we won our last seven league matches all by one goal. And I don't really know how to interpret that because they're all wins, but you can say easily someone gets an equalizer and we're looking at a different scenario. But as long as we keep winning close matches, I'm fine with that. Okay. And it's interesting that you put it that way because when you look at Savisa's time, say two seasons ago, he would have gone for the jugular. He would have gone for second and third goal. He would have tried to blow a team out. Parker's uh, strategy is completely different. It's basically see the match out, hold on, and build character that way. And it's not an accident, okay? When you've, Max, you've read all those matches. This isn't an accident anymore. You could talk about maybe once or twice. This is done by design. And it actually, I think it's building on something. Like I said, I mentioned this before. When you look at Brighton a few years ago, they were, again, winning matches ugly, but they were winning matches like this. They would just get a goal and it would be enough for them. Does it make me have more gray hair like you. I mean, I'm much older than you, and I have a lot, hell of a lot more gray hair now from watching all these full matches. So I'm there with you. I, I think it affects me more, Max. You're, you're a young guy. But we're going through the same thing. I understand that. But I do see the method to the madness. I wouldn't do it if that was me because I'm a different type of person. He's a different type of manager from Savisa. So I think that's also part of the problem that us fans have because we're used to going forward, attacking, you know, again, I get that, and that's what I would do. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way to win matches. And I do think that it's something that you can build upon. And, you know, and I keep seeing it. We're not winning convincing. I saw it again on Twitter over the weekend, Max. And, yeah, of course you could say that if you just see the score line, or you could actually see us holding on like that. Well, it's not convincing because of the score line. It's not 3-1. to one. It's not 4 nil. Yes, I get that. But as uh, we were talking about this before with Giannis, I think you get more out of building something with all these close matches than if Fulham blew three or four teams out and then had to really face a tough match where they really wouldn't be able to go back to history that they've grinded matches out. So I think there's an advantage to winning matches like this. There's no advantage to my heart in these situations, Max but I see them building something on this. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, for sure. I think the best thing you said was that 
it's no longer a fluke anymore, right? If it's one it's or two not. matches, you win. And I think that's a crucial point, right? If it's one or two matches, you say, listen, we're getting lucky. But as I've just read out, it's a pattern and a consistent pattern. I have to say, we're just very good at seeing out matches. And so who's, I think, who's the factor in that? I think you got to look at Marek Rodak. Um, he's been superb for us. I think essentially that run of matches by one, one goal wins just about corresponds with him coming to the side. So I think that's a big factor. You can give it to Hector as well, but Hector's only been here for three, four, five league matches. So it's not necessarily all of that, but Michael Hector plays a big part in that. As you said, he's your man of the match. I thought, yep. again, he was excellent on the weekend. So those are two factors. Um, and that contribute to us seeing out matches in, in a close manner. And maybe also let's give some credit to Kevin McDonald. I think we'll talk about him later, but sure. he's someone who started every match since the whole city game. Someone who looked like he was completely out of the squad a month ago, a month and a half ago. And now he seems to be an integral, integral mark in that central midfield. Let's give him some credit. Cause I think having a true um, holding midfielder who just sits in front of the back four and does his job and does just simply, but does it well. I think that's a big factor in us seeing out these close matches. It's interesting that you bring him up because the last time I remember the situation with Kevin McDonald solidifying Fulham was um, I want to go back to not the season that Fulham got promoted, but the season before when Savisa had to make a decision when he was playing Scott Parker and Kevin McDonald together. And then eventually he moved on from Parker, which is interesting now because now you have Scott Parker as your manager, <laughs> but Kevin McDonald was involved there too, as the leader, as, as the, you know, defensive midfielder protecting the back four, and he's doing it again. So it's a good point by you because I, I really haven't focused enough on the inclusion of uh, Kevin McDonald. I've been focusing a lot on Michael Hector. So that's a very good point. Okay, my friend, let's move on. Let's talk about a couple of uh, comments from Tony Mowbray, the head coach of Blackburn after the match. Let's start here because, again, you and I watched it on a stream. I've not seen another angle on this, but I started to see this on Twitter. So I'm, I'm getting these quotes and it's comments from Tony Mowbray. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them to you, Max. Let's start with his thoughts on the Lenahan goal, because they, they actually called it a Lenahan goal. Quote, he was a few yards onside. The goal should have stood, unquote. Okay, Max. Now, you and I have seen this. I didn't even think it was even in dispute until I saw these comments. And then I actually heard him in an interview, and he backed that up as well. He basically said that he had seen it. Well, I haven't seen an angle that shows me that he's right. What are your thoughts based on what you've seen? Well, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the angle either, so I can't really speak too much on that. But I think we need to think about what that means, right? So Full Mess CTV has not produced another angle of the goal. And that indicates to me maybe it's closer than we think. They don't, they don't usually show replays that show Fulham in a bad light. I, that's all I'm going to say. So maybe okay. if it was onside, they wouldn't show it even if it was. But I think the larger point here is just thank God there's no VAR in the championship. <laughs> um, it's just such a mess in the Premier League. Now they're talking about what, 10 centimeters is going to be a leeway. And then you're fighting over whether it's at 9.9 or 10.1. I mean, come on. It's a joke, Ross. Uh, it, it's a botched rollout. And I'm just very thankful that we don't have that in our division. Next year, hopefully, we'll be in the Premier League, but maybe by then, VAR will be kicked out. Who knows? Okay. Excellent. All right. Here's a, another comment from Tony Mowbray, just about form and about the match itself. Quote, 
it was a tight game and it was frustrating to lose a tight game, unquote. Okay, so again, I can understand his frustration, but I'm going to ask you a question based on what I just read there. Do you think that Blackburn deserves something from this match? I don't, but I can understand from a manager's perspective of the team that lost that he's thinking that maybe they should have uh, gotten something from that was frustrating to lose it. So what are your thoughts on that? I've, I've got to say no. I think you look at the stats, one shot on target for Blackburn in the entire 90 minutes. That's just not good enough. You can't say he deserve anything when he only produced one shot on target. Uh, but I think that's actually a pretty good feature of Fulham recently is that we're restricted. We're restricting teams to very few shots on target. That's right. That's something we did earlier on in the season. But one of the main criticisms of Bedinelli was that even though there weren't many shots on target, he was conceding a large number of them, a large percentage of the shots. So we've kind of stuck with uh, restricting teams to very few shots. And I think we have a goalkeeper behind mistakes who's now you know, mopping up and not letting those go in. So I Blackburn don't have much of a claim here. There wasn't much in the match, but you look at us, 11 shots in total to their four, maybe four shots on target to their one. That really speaks to it. I don't think they created enough to deserve anything. I agree with that. And listen, and again, the quote was more just being frustrated about losing a tight match. But honestly, I just feel that Blackburn didn't deserve anything from this match. That's yeah, just my I don't know opinion about you, on that. I thought they were poor. I didn't think Blackburn were very good. I mean... The main. I thought they were better that. once they yeah. went for it after falling yeah, off. Yeah, But they had Armstrong, a guy who's tiny. You know, he's, yeah. like a, he's, he's playing as a central striker. You have a big number nine Gallagher essentially on the wing. It didn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah. And they're toothless in attack. I was not impressed by their quality at all. I didn't think they had anything going for it. I tend to agree with you. Like I said, except for the end of the match when it became desperate for them to get the equalizer, then they threw on all their offensive players, but again, did they do enough? The answer is no, they absolutely did not. So even with that, they didn't deserve anything. And honestly, Fulham should have won 2-0 if Stefan Johansson scores at the end of the match. He should have scored there. And I think we're both in agreement there. I don't think there's any argument, but we'll talk about that in a little bit there, my friend. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the starting 11 in the 18 overall. Your thoughts? Again, I think the big thing for me is kind of the – longevity of Ken McDonald. I never would have predicted this in a million years that he would be um, right smack in the center of that field for, you know, five straight matches during a crucial winning period for us. But there he is. Uh, And I think you look at the back four, interesting that Ream uh, slotted right back in from a suspension. Many people might have thought Congolo partners Hector, but it was Ream in there. Uh, No place for size Christer, Stephen Cessna, both on the bench. And again, no place for Knockart. I think he's returning from injury. Good sure. also to see Kamara back in, in the squad, and he got thrown on late. Very pleased to see him getting fit again. So, again, the bench is looking stronger. Players come back from injury. I think the big one missing still is Reed. Uh, Harrison Reed, no time on him, I don't think. And also no Harry Arder in the, in the 18, but maybe that's just resting for a midweek uh, performance. Potentially. Against Millwall on Wednesday. He'll love, he'll love a match at the den, Harry Arder. That's perfect <laughs> for him. Get stuck in on that choppy pitch. <laughs> Hack, hack down some of the wall players. But we have to talk a little bit about that upcoming match because I, I did watch the West Brom match. I, we're going to end talking a little bit, just a small little preview of this match because that, that pitch was disgusting. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit, honestly. But I want to get back and talk about the starting living in the 18 overall. I didn't have a problem with it, but I have to tell you, comments that I started getting from foam supporters an hour before the match all had to do with rain. 
They all have to do with Reem and Congolo not being included. Well, what are your thoughts about that? You you mentioned it, but I was fine with Reem starting. Okay, I, I really, I was fine with it. But do you understand the argument of people wanting Congolo? I, I do, but so it's, it's tough because Congolo, what, he's played the FA Cup match for us, essentially, and he's been thrown out in the sub, um, you know, late on. He's not someone who I've seen a lot of, but I think I think at the end of the day, Scotty trusts Reem more than Congolo. You know, Congolo's on loan. Reem's been a key player for us. I thought he had a very poor match against City, but, and of course, the setting off. That's to be expected. He's not meant to play against top-level quality. When we get promoted, if we get promoted, hopefully, uh, yep. Reem will not be in that team. Reem will be surplus to requirements, and that's okay. Sure. But I think at championship level, I'm very happy with the Reem and Hector center-back partnership. I'm fine with that. And is going to have to come in and prove himself, and that's okay. You want healthy competition. That's right. Absolutely. And the one thing I do want to mention, I also think it gives you flexibility to uh, change your formation. If he wants to play with three center backs, now you have three center backs. As we're learning, Alfie Mawson has a – it sounds like a long-term injury as he just had surgery. So that's a huge setback. So I think Congolo coming in also had something to do with that. I could be wrong. Again, we don't hear anything. We don't know anything. We, we get bits and pieces of what's going on. But I got a feeling we might not see Alfie Moss in the rest of the season. I, I, I could be wrong about that. But when I heard he had a successful surgery, Max, that lends me to believe that maybe Congolo was brought in to basically take his place. Were you feeling the same way when you heard the news about Moss and having surgery? I mean, what, what a disappointing sign. Of that. We bought him in um, summer of 2018. He was. A man in demand, you know, Swansea's just been relegated. I know Burnley went for him. He was in England, you know, under 23, under 21, center back. He was one of the futures uh, yeah. of England. A bright young center back got stuck in, could, could play the ball, could could switch the ball, great long passes, saw it in the air, get some goals. And he's he's failed for us. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yep. I think in, in the Premier League, he was very poor, very poor. In the championship, he's been injured. And we haven't seen any consistency from him. I mean, you know, the, the sad story of him get injured, you know, doing up his laces, right? Um, halftime of the Huddersfield match. And then he, that's how he did his knee in. It's almost laughable, but it's sad that he's so injury prone. And then this, you know, another surgery. And, and he, looked fi- he looked fine um, yep. this season. But again, there had been many high profile errors. Playing out the back was poor. Distribution was poor again. Sometimes caught flat footed. He looked like a perfect signing when we got him, but. I think it has to go down as a very expensive failure. And then okay. with him missing the rest of the season, I'll be honest, will we miss him? Hector, so much better than him. Congolo, looks like he might be a better player. That's kind of the sad reality of football. Is someone gets injured, someone doesn't sure. put in a shift, you move on and their replacement's ready. And honestly, fair play to Tony Khan for recognizing that. Yep. And let's uh, make sure to be clear on this. I'm, I don't know anything if he's out for the season. All I know is that he had surgery. That's all I'm saying. It just doesn't sound like... It's going to. He's going to be back anytime soon. That's the only reason yeah. why I'm saying that. So, no, but it's, it's the way they frame it, right? Yep. He had successful surgery. Oh, great success! Tremendous! Let's go. Hold on. He had surgery for what? <laughs> That's again, not good. Right? Surgery's terrible. I have no idea. <laughs> I know. I have no idea, yeah. Max. It's it's unbelievable. They're worse than like uh, getting information, like I said, on the New England Patriots. New England Patriots don't tell you anything. Full. I, I, I'm going to tell you, it happened to be worse, which is unbelievable to say. 
Okay, let's move on. And uh, next, Max and I are going to talk about the first half and the second half. We'll finish up talking about the man of the match, the stats. And yes, we will talk a little bit about the upcoming match against Millwall. Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Okay, Max, let's get right into it. Let's talk about the first half. Again, there aren't a lot of key moments, so I'm just going to start <laughs> with just a few because they're really only just a few. So the first one actually goes to Blackburn, and that was actually a header from Gallagher that just goes over. I, I think, honestly, I think Rodak had this covered, but that was a decent opportunity for them. But it also showed the type of team they are, the way the way that they're basically just trying to get balls into the box. And we saw a lot, a lot of that in the second half, and really not just a, a good team to watch. We'll just say that. And of course, we're now then later on we'll be focusing on another team like that as well. But I thought that was an indication of a little bit of what Blackburn were, were going to try to do. And they actually didn't do it that much. But what's interesting is only a couple minutes later, and let's talk about this because I think it's significant to talk about this opportunity from Fulham that, again, it's off of a corner, and it's Michael Hector, a great header, but it's saved by the goalkeeper. But for me, it has more to do with the opportunity because I can see him getting involved much more and in scoring goals from. Uh, set pieces, especially from corners. Your thoughts about the opportunity in the 12th minute from Michael Hector? Yeah, and we saw it uh, in the Charlton match, right? When he almost, he should have really scored, should have won right. after us with a similar position, header from a corner. So hopefully this is the start of something more productive, hopefully not just his first goal soon. And it's like Gentleman Jim brought up on the broadcast, you know, when was the last time, Russ, that we had a goal-scoring center back? I think you have to go back to I mean, Hanglin, but even he I was going to say, I think you have end. to go back to that. But maybe, but even he, he didn't score a goal for three years, I think, towards the end of his home career. But it's just been so long. We, we just I know. aren't a team who has that in their locker. I think that's so valuable from set pieces, from corners, from free kicks, to have a big hulking center back who can head yep. in. Um, and hopefully Hector can be that for us. But again, he's had gotten a really good position, superb, but the end product isn't quite there. Yet. No, it's not. But that was really Fulham's best opportunity of the first half. And besides that, you know, again, I really don't have any key moments to, to give to you. So just give me your overall thoughts on the first half. And were you just happy to see Fulham get out of the first half with this goalless draw? I was falling asleep, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I love football. Football is my life. Fulham is my passion. That was, that was tough to watch. That's that's a championship in a, in a lot of situations. Yes, you have the crazy finishes, the comebacks, the goals, but you also have a lot of matches like this. And I think when we talk about the difference between the second division and, and the Premier League, this sometimes goes unnoticed. Listen, I love the championship. I'll be the first to admit that the Premier League has become sanitized, terrible for fans, the big teams dominate, so on and so on. But drab, dull first halves like this is not something I'm going to miss if we get promoted, let's be honest. Okay. Uh, because there's nothing in it. And, and yeah, you got these matches in the Premier League too. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're only in the championship, but there was just so, there's just no quality on the pitch. 
And luckily, second half, that changed just a tiny fraction. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, let's uh, now Is that turn too harsh, our... What do you what mean? That? Is that too harsh about the first? Is that too harsh about that first half? No, no, absolutely not, Max. Because <laughs> I understand while you're talking about this again, I'm thinking about Fulham's time in the Premier League, and it kind of reminded me of when Fulham would would face Stoke City with Tony Pulis. No, oh, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. You know that again. It's not pleasing on the eyes. It's a style, and I don't like this style. And like I said, we're going to be facing this style once again in just a few days, and I'm not looking forward to. But we'll talk about that at the end. Let's now focus on the second half, which I do think was obviously better for Fulham because they were starting to create a few opportunities rather than just the one that we talked about in the first half. And it started off in the 52nd minute. You have a shot by Dennis Adoy. You know, again, speculative shot. It's not something that he was probably going to score on, but at least he gave it a go in the 52nd minute. But then you have a really good opportunity. Let's talk about this. Let's stop here because, again, I thought this was the premonition that possibly Fulham were going to get a goal. And it starts in the 57th minute. Now, it's a good shot from Kearney. But again, I started to see more endeavor here. They were opening them up a little bit. And I know that Fulham didn't score here, but I had a feeling once I saw this that they could potentially score a goal, Max. I want to get your thoughts on the opportunity from Kearney. And do you agree with me on that? Yeah, certainly we started brighter in the second half. And yeah, as Parker kind of said, we got more control. We just started, it seemed like the fullbacks were getting involved more. Kane was getting on the ball. The wingers were kind of tucking in. And you're right, it seemed like it was building up to something. Um, and Kane again with, with, with the good opportunity. But um, the keeper, I thought, I thought the, the keeper for Blackburn was actually quite good. We didn't mention this, but in the first half, yeah. Bradley Johnson almost headed in an own goal. He did. And Walton made a superb save. So he, he was bright. But the second half, definitely showing signs of something more promising. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, well, then that's going to lead us to talk about the goal in the 65th minute that was set up from Joe Bryan. And Alexander Mitrovic doesn't need much to score. And, again, it was so fast. You know, he he didn't really need to really make any large movements. It just basically turns around and just hits it in the back of the net. Let's talk about the goal for Mitro. He's the ultimate difference because he gets the goal. I, I also want to put the play of Hector in there, but you need the goal. You need the defending of what Hector was offering and also his leadership back there, but it's goals that win matches, and Mitro gets the match winner, my friend. Yeah, but also credit to Joe Bryan. I think it's the fifth of the season, and he gambled. You know, got lucky with a little bit of ricochet, but he got in that advanced position and delivered an excellent cutback. That's what I want to see more of from Fulham. I mentioned this (laughs) <laughs> around a month ago when, when I was over in London watching the matches, but so many of our crosses are crosses that center backs can see that are right in front of them that are not cutbacks, but almost from the edge of the 18 kind of swung in. And the best cross for me is when we get to the byline and you cut it back and you make the center backs, you know, go on their toes and fall back. And suddenly there's a space for strikers. And that's exactly what happened here with Brian Dimitro. Brian did well, great ambition, bombing on from left back, cuts it back. And then there's that bit of space with Dimitro on the center back. And you give him that space, and you saw, Russ, what happens. It's absolutely yep. lethal. And the, the turn, the swivel, the low finish, hard into the bottom corner, that's just excellent. And you're right, it happens so quickly. Yep. His close control is so good, but also his, his, the footwork. He's such a big man, but how well he moves his feet, how quickly got that shot off, it was a great goal. And let's just talk about celebration between Brian 
Oh, and great. and Mitro, he li- Brian. Sorry, Mitro lifts Brian up like he's a little bit of a ba- like he's a baby, like he's a little man. I know. Man. I was the same it, was, thing. it was great to see. Um, but that that, that seemed like really genuine joy <laughs> uh, in front of the away fans. And what what better way to win a match than that? Absolutely. Okay. So let's move on. Let's talk about Josh and Omega coming off in the 80th minute, and Congolo comes on, and then one minute later, we have what we already talked about, Max. Winahan's goal goes in the back of the net, but it, he's called offside. 81st minute. Anything else you want to add to this? Again, yeah, we talked about it. Again, I didn't see replay, and I think that might be Fulham FC TV censoring stuff just to see if Fulham the best chance, and I'm okay with that. I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, you know, again, I'm not Tony Mowbray. He, he might have a different angle. Based on the angle that I saw, I didn't see the argument, but again, we're seeing only one angle of this, so. We'll just leave it at that, my friend. Okay. Uh, let's move on. And Fulham actually had a shot by Ivan Cavalier in the 84th minute that goes over. And then you have Johansson coming on for Kearney in the 86th minute. Now let's talk about this because, again, there was, a, you know, again, just a weird situation at the end of the match from Blackburn that, you know, it, it literally seemed like they fell asleep. And next thing you know, Johansson has an opportunity to score set up from Cavallaro. He needs to score here, Max. Your thoughts on the opportunity from Johansson? It obviously would have would have yeah. uh, finished off the match. I, it was an odd one because I think Cavallaro does brilliantly to anticipate kind of the backhead from the Blackburn defender. That was one of the most awful pieces of defending I've seen in such a long time. That was like full of mess for us. Yeah, it was. When the Blackburn center back headed it. He just backheaded, didn't even look at yeah. it. He was like 30 yards out from goal. It was. It was atrocious. Cavalier, I think, does brilliantly to seize on to it. But honestly, yeah, Stefan should have scored. But I'm going to call out Ivan here because he should take this. He should take this shot. He waits for the defender essentially to come to him. Then he does a nice little reverse pass to Johansson. But to be fair, when Johansson has that ball, yeah, he, he probably should score. But the keeper comes out very quickly. And there's not a lot of place in the net for him to aim for. He kind of, I think, gets a little bit screwed over by... Not the best pass from Cavalera. Cavalera waits the last minute, and by the time the ball comes to him, the keeper's essentially already closed it down. It was from very, very close range. I think Cavalera has to just take that for himself, use Johansson's run as a dummy, but then put in the finish. Okay, excellent there, my friend. Good stuff. And Well, Fulham did not score there, but they saw the match out once again. And like we're talking about here, this isn't an accident. It might make us crazy. It might make us nervous. Max and I have a lot more gray hair, probably many film supporters do as well, but they're finding ways to see these matches out. And I, I think it's something that you can look at and not think that this is the worst thing in the world. I think it's actually encouraging that they're able to do this, but I also think it's by design, even though I disagree with it. Like I said, if you, you bring on an extra defender, you are actually, this is your plan, your plan. And he's done this time and time again. Again, I'm talking about Scott Parker, and it's working. I, I, I would go the Slavisa way, but I'm not in charge. So who, who am I to say? Because it's winning football. It, it's winning matches. So he's doing that. All right, Max, let's move on. Let's now talk about the full-time stats. Let's see what they tell us. You've already, you've already mentioned uh, one stat, but let's look at them in general. Now, when you look at the possession numbers, they're very interesting, Max. It's only 53% to 47% in favor of Fulham. Total shots tell you something. 11 to 4 in favor of Fulham. You've already mentioned this one. I, I think this is big. 
Shots on target, four for Fulham, only one for Blackburn. Again, you only have one shot on target. I don't think they should have any complaints that they deserve something from this match based on that one stat alone, Max. All right, and then, of course, you got corners, six to four in favor of Fulham. Cross is 23 to 13 in favor of Blackburn. If you're looking at passing accuracy, 79%, which is a little low for Fulham, 76 for Blackburn, which is probably fairly good for them. Then we end with talking about fouls, 14-8 in favor of Fulham. You've already said it. I think you want to focus on, well, at least initially was talking about the one shot on target. That, to me, is what stands out to me from Blackburn. Would you agree? For sure, yeah. They just didn't create anything. And for me, it was baffling why they put their best aerial threat. And they already had Gallagher, who had that great header just 10 minutes that's, in. That's right. They didn't really get him involved enough. And I feel that really nope. could cause problems. No, very good there, my friend. All right. Let's now talk about man of the match. And I basically went on Twitter right away, and I said for me, hands down, it's Michael Hector. But you can make an argument for Mitrovic. You absolutely can because he scored the goal. But when I look at it, and Max, we've been talking about this on several shows, and I was going back and forth with people on Twitter about this because I tweeted this out about Michael Hector. What got me was there were so many people before – his first match with Fulham, again, he had signed over the summer, but it was after the transfer deadline ended. So he was with us and training with us. And fans were like, well, don't expect him to be the savior. I kept seeing that. Don't expect him to be that. Well, I had heard from a Sheffield Wednesday supporter that I truly have respect for. And he told me we were getting a special player. He told me this. He said he was their player of the season. That spoke volumes at Sheffield Wednesday last season. So I had a good feeling that he was going to be a difference maker. And honestly, Michael Hector in such a short period of time is what I expected Alfie Mawson to be, Max. Honestly, I expected him to be that player. And the Virgil Van Mike, I know we, you know, again, people have been saying it. You want to know something on a championship level? Hell yes, because he's making these passes that are unbelievable, but it's, much more than that, it's his decision-making. It's his tackling. Did he make a mistake on, on the Gallagher opportunity? And it was a, a good save by Rodak, and I forgot to mention that. Yes, but no one's perfect. Overall, he's my man of the match, Max. Your thoughts? He was excellent, Ross, and you're right. He's been everything we hyped him up to be, which is so rare in modern I football. Know. You know, normally he's lived I, up to the hype. Yeah. I have a saying, uh, you know, a player gets infinitely better the longer they're out of the squad because the more they're gone, the more you hype them up to be the savior who comes back and, and makes the team so much better. That's what Tim Ream was like for the first months of the Premier League season, right? When he was in, he was the back injury. We're thinking, oh, we'll just get Tim Ream back. We'll be, everything will be fine. And for the first you know, five months of this season, it was, oh, we'll get Hector. He'll finally get in the first team squad and the fence will be perfect. And I thought it was honestly wishful thinking. And I'm so glad uh, to be a little bit wrong here because he has been a revelation. And even after the first match against Villa, when he made a terrible error, I was disappointed and I was nervous that that was in him. But luckily, he's been essentially flawless ever since. Uh, He won the man of the match from the Fulham vote. And I think they said that's his third man of the match. And he's played four matches. (laughs) And that just tells you all you need to know. That's crazy. And I'm looking at the results of the man of the match on the Fulham website. And second was Mitrovic with 32.3%, which I understand. Third, interesting, Joe Bryan at 9.6%. Your thoughts on Joe Bryan? 
being third in the poll. I think, you know, in a match with just one goal in it, you have to give a lot of preference to the people who played a part in the goal. So that that's for me. That's why I think Brian's up there. Okay. And it, he had a great contribution, so I'm okay with that. Okay. Excellent there, my friend. All right. Let's finish up by previewing quickly the upcoming match for Fulham against Millwall on Wednesday. So I don't know about you, Max. I, I know you were traveling, so I'm sure you didn't get a chance to watch this. I did watch the West Brom match against Millwall. First thing that stands out to me was the pitch, which was horrible. So that's number one. So fans need to be prepared for that because the dem- the pitch was atrocious. And the wind was terrible, so that made it even worse. So the conditions were not good. Beyond that, the play of Millwall, again, it was head tennis. It was all, you know, it was all headers. It was all very direct. And it's nothing that we would want to watch, honestly. And I thought they'd be different under Gary Rowett. And I got to tell you, I don't think they're any different than the team I saw prior even two seasons ago, it, the team seems similar to me. I could be wrong, but that's what it seems like to me after watching that. They played decent in the first half against West Brom, but eventually West Brom showed their quality. They they got the goal, and it was a quality goal, and then, of course, they went on and got another goal later on in the match. They were by far the better team. So, Max, here are my thoughts on Millwall because they have a lot to play for. And they also have a little revenge because Fulham embarrassed them at Craven Cottage. So I'm sure that's going to be a factor in this as well. But if the team I saw against West Brom shows up against Fulham, no excuses. Fulham should win this match 2 to, or 3 nil. And I'm being honest. And not that I've watched a tremendous amount of Millwall matches. I'm just going on what I recently watched and, and what I watched against Fulham. I'm just telling you, I know it's on the road. It's a difficult place to play. Fulham should win this match, Max. That's a big ask for us. You just said they should win two or three nil. We won. I know. As, as I, I know. said, <laughs> we don't win I know. matches on more than two. I know. But it's Fulham, right? That's intriguing. Yeah. And and listen, remember the last time we went to the Den? Well, I guess that was the League Cup. But the last time in the league we went to the Den is that famous three nil win, right? I, honestly, if you ask me, one of the best moments of uh, the league season, with the exception <laughs> of the playoff final, it's that win, yep. right? I, re- I remember we, the first 20 minutes, we were totally under the cosh. Reem had an amazing clearance. Um, and then Session gets that goal. And then we took off. Oh, what a great goal. And then McDonald and Mitro scored bangers. So that was, that was a great game. That was a great yep. game. Hopefully we can replicate that. Okay. So what are your thoughts? You know, here I am. I'm, I'm going on the limb. I, I'm going for a full victory. If you have to get me to put a number on it, hell, I'll go 1 0. Why not? <laughs> great. Well, I'm optimistic because, you know, quietly we become the forum team in the division. You know, last five matches, four wins and a draw. Yeah. It hasn't seemed like that way just because how close no. the games have been and we haven't been wowing anyone with our football per se. But we're in the best form in the league, you know. No no one's playing better than us right now in terms of results. Uh, so, yeah, why not? Why not go get the win? And we have to, Ross. We have to because although we've won four of our last five, Forest are one point behind us. That's right. Brentford are two points behind us. We're level with Leeds. I mean, you know what? Three, uh, two points separate fifth from from second. So it's crazy. It's that we tight. can't we can't let up now, especially not in the midweek match against a team who, as you just mentioned, we should be beating. It's crucial. We, we can't put another Charlton performance. 
And I know Millwall are better than Charlton, so right. that's not a fair comparison. But we can't let this slip, essentially. I totally agree there, Max. And uh, listen, what's going on in the division is uh, incredible. I watched Leeds United once again fall apart, and uh, I'm enjoying that. I'm I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that. I'm actually enjoying watching their demise. Uh, You know, and again, for me, it just goes back to I don't have the history with Leeds United that others have. And but I will tell you this. Everything changed for me with Leeds United, with the way that their supporters treated Lucas Piazon. You remember this, Max? Yeah, of course. Cool. Okay. For me, ever since then, I have really despised this side. I'm talking – has a lot to do with their supporters because the way they treated Lucas Piazon in that match was disgusting to me, and I've never forgotten that. So, you know, I don't wish bad on anyone. I just don't – like that side. I, I don't like their supporters. So, you know, again, I'm watching their demise. And I'm enjoying it, but there's still more of a season to go. And we'll see how it all plays out. West Brom's a little bit different. I, I have respect for West Brom. I, you know, again, I, I, I like the way that they managed their team and uh, I don't have any problem with West Brom. I have problems with Leeds United, but Again, everything is so tight, so you have to just literally keep winning. So I understand that, my friend. Okay. Great show, my friend. Great show. Thank you so much for joining me, Max. It was a pleasure, Ross. And again, you know, we're storming up the table. We're level on points in Leeds United. The automatic promotion race is just kicking off. I can't believe it. And 15 matches to go, you know, essentially a third of the season. Yep. I, I can't wait for the ride. I have no idea what, what, it, will co- what it will entail. But I know it will be full with the championship. It will be exciting. And, you know, who better to experience it with than the Cottage Talk crew? So I can't <laughs> Absolutely. wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Good stuff there, Max. All right. Before we go, I'll just mention once again to please uh, check out the podcast, which actually will be on this great app that I've been talking about recently, the Come On You WhatsApp. Please download the app on your iPhone or your Android. It's just a great way to get all kinds of information on Fulham and also on the championship. And of course, you can also access the podcast there. And I would highly recommend it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels home and away. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.